This episode is dedicated to the life and memory of Matt Zerker, who passed away March 24th. Matt was a great guy and someone that both my guests Chris Collins and I worked with while at Wright State. Matt was a sports information director at the University of Northwestern Ohio in Lima and an official scorer with the Dayton Dragons. Matt also ran MattZerker.com, which was the home of many stats for Northwest Central Conference, Shelby County Athletic League, Midwest Athletic Conference, Miami Valley League, and the Cross County Conference Sports. Basically, Matt was a fountain of sports knowledge in the Upper Valley and Southwest Ohio regions. Matt, thank you for your friendship. It's episode 142 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and joining us this episode is Chris Collins, the broadcasting voice of the Wright State University Raiders and also part of Miami Valley's morning news team on WHIO Radio. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to sports happening in the Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio region. Visit theleewmowen.com slash podcasts to listen on your favorite platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and more. Follow the host on Twitter at the Lee W. Mowen and the podcast at Cindy Pod. Opening theme is Arpy by Dan Hennig from the YouTube Music Library Collection. Now for your host, Lee W. Mowen. Episode 142 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and we have Chris Collins, the broadcasting voice of the Wright State University Raiders, and also part of the Miami Valley's morning news team on WHIO. Chris, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well, considering the situation that's going on uh, through the world. Lee, how are you? I'm hanging in there. I'm trying to make the best of this coronavirus quarantine, and it's given me a chance to get some guest interviews in on this podcast. It's been a while since I had those, but thank you for taking the time today, and I'm really looking forward to this interview. Well, uh, I just appreciate you thinking of me and asking me to be on with you. So, Chris, let's begin. Where are you originally from? Well, let's see. I was born in Indiana, uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, and uh, lived here for maybe about 18 months in Indianapolis. My family uh, moved on to Ohio up in the Coldwater Salina area. And then when I was just before I was four years old, we moved into Dayton, Ohio, into an area which was known as Wayne Township that eventually became Huber Heights. And I grew up there uh, from kindergarten all the way through uh, my senior year at uh, Wayne High School. So I planted roots here in the Dayton area at an early age. Very cool. So you know this area like the back of your hand. <laughs> I would like to think so. I've been, I've been here a long time, yes. So when did you know that broadcasting was something you wanted to be a part of? You know, I, I thought about that when uh, you mentioned that the other day about a possible question that we'd be talking about. And, you know, I really didn't think about it much uh, at a young age, uh, even when I got into high school, because like many people, uh, you know, I had a dream that uh, I wanted to uh, be a professional baseball player. You know, I love playing sports. I grew up 
every sport we played in our community, we had a lot of guys growing up uh, where I lived, and we would play every sport every season. We would be outside just about every day, you know, enjoying the competition. You know, sometimes it got a little heated, as you well know, if you grew up around <laughs> a bunch of dudes. And uh, we, we would have a great time, you know. And at the time, I thought, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard. I'm going to become a player. You know, once, but then once it, I realized and it settled in that, you know, I didn't have the talents, you know, to put me up the higher level, you know, I started thinking about, you know, well, you know, maybe I'd like to broadcast because I would like to watch a lot of games. I'd listen to games on the radio. I think there was a time for years I didn't miss listening to Cincinnati Reds baseball. And when they went off the air, I would tune into the late games, maybe in St. Louis with KMOX you know, in St. Louis and listen to the Cardinals, some of the Detroit Tiger games. So I just became somebody who really loved sports, especially baseball. And then eventually it kicked in. Like I said, uh, I thought, okay, well, let me, let's see if I can get broadcasting a chance. Now you mentioned listening to some games on the radio. Are there any broadcasters that you really looked up to and learned a lot from? Well, the ones that I heard a lot of, you know, obviously when, when I first started listening to Reds games, and I was very young at the time, uh, there was somebody by the name of Jim McIntyre. He worked with Joe Nuxall. And then right after him came a young man named Al Michaels. And Al Michaels was in Cincinnati for about three years at the beginning of the Big Red Machine. And then came Marty Brenneman. And we, uh, we know what uh, Marty was able to do in Cincinnati and uh, all the great things. So, you know, I've been very privileged, just like everybody else uh, who was a Reds fan, to be able to hear some of the best broadcasters you know, the around in baseball, in addition to, like I said, when I tuned into St. Louis, you had Jack Buck and, and, uh, and, and Sh- Mike Shannon. You had, uh, of course, Ernie Harwell uh, in Detroit uh, for the Tigers. So, you know, it's very blessed to be able to hear, you know, some of the best broadcasters in baseball history. With this start to your career, what was your first broadcasting job? Well, my first job... Uh, I started in a small station, uh, WKTN, in Canton, Ohio. And people are saying, Canton, isn't that where the uh, uh, Football Hall of Fame is? No, it's not Canton. It was Kenton. Uh, It's up uh, just about 30 miles uh, to the east of Lima and just north of Bell Fountain in Hardin County. And I was able to begin there as a uh, nighttime disc jockey. And at the time, they needed somebody to call the county uh, high school football games as well as the basketball games. So the year I was there, I was able to have the opportunity to gain a lot of experience uh, by calling those games. And I was really excited for that opportunity. In fact, uh, you know, Lee, I don't know if you were aware, but back at that time, uh, those were money makers for those small market uh, radio stations. And I mean, really small. I mean, we were right in the heart of uh, soybean and, uh, and, uh, and pig farmers up in the area of Hardin County. And uh, what they would do is uh, they would have the Kenton games on live. And then right after that would be the county teams. And I did the county game. So what would happen is I would go to the site, call the game, and on the first half, it would be on a cassette, all right? And somebody would come back, normally a salesperson, would pick up that cassette at halftime of the first half, bring it back to the radio station. They would start airing the first half of that county game immediately after the Kenton High School game. So as I was driving back from the county games, I would be able to hear the first half of my game and then, of course, get back to the station and provide the second uh, cassette for the second half of the remainder of the game. You know, I love small town radio stations. I wish there was more of them around this area. There's one in Greenville, and you're absolutely right. There's there's nothing better. You get to hear your county teams on radio. It's just, it's it, it is it, it is, and you know, to be around the fans. And I was, I, I tell you, I was blessed, Lee, because that first year, um, Kenton did not make it uh, very far in the tournament uh, in basketball. 
However, there was a team, a small school in southwestern Hardin County, Upper Scioto Valley, the Rams. That was their nickname. They were able to um, move through the uh, state championships and get all the way to the regional final. That was the first year I ever, ever had an opportunity to call sports, and I was so excited. Small community up there. You know, people really, I think everybody had an opportunity to go attend that game. It was at uh, Bowling Green State University up there, and uh, they took on Kaleida and the regional championship game with an opportunity to move on to St. John's Arena in Columbus and play in the state championship. They came up short. It was three overtimes before they ended up losing to Kaleida. And I was told that game was live. We weren't, at the time, we were not, um, because of the situation in Kenton, was no longer in the tournament in a different division. We were live, and I was told people even back in Kenton in the Kmart at the time would come up and listen to the game, you know, on the radios that, you know, where they were trying to sell the stereos, you know, they're on the floor in the uh, Kenton Kmart, and they were excited and got caught up into that game. You know, it was really thrilling to find out afterwards, and it was a great game, and it was the first time, you know, that I was, I've only broadcast it for about two or three months when I had that opportunity to call that game with an opportunity to go to the state championship. You know, that's, that's something that will be in my mind forever, that first opportunity and all the excitement and the community getting uh, involved and backing their team uh, to an opportunity to win the state championship. It's just amazing how much radio means to communities and what it can mean to, you know, other communities like that. It's, that's a really cool story. You know, it is, you know, and at the time, I don't think I really appreciated it. You know, I was really young at the time. And I think for myself, I thought, wow, this is great. I'm caught up in it. I never really thought it was all about me. And that's something I've always told myself. It's never about you. And somebody who had been in broadcasting, who was a couple of mentors of mine through the years, told me, never make it about yourself. You know, it's the event. You know, you're there to be a part of that and try to present that to people, especially on radio, to be able to paint a picture and, and give them, uh, the feeling that they are there, you know, that, that was always the, the, the biggest challenge. And that's something I've always tried to do even to this day. So starting off in Kenton, Ohio, how did you wind up back in Dayton with <laughs> radio? <laughs> well, Lee, at the time, and if you talk to anybody who have been in this business for a while, and I've been blessed to be here for a long time, uh, you moved around to a lot of little stations. Uh, I, I was in Kenton for almost a year. Then I moved to Bell Fountain not very far away. And uh, then from there, I uh, was out of uh, broadcasting for probably about uh, two months. And then I got a job in Chillicothe. And uh, while I was there, I uh, got married. (laughs) And uh, I I was in Chillicothe for just a few months because I was working part-time at WBEX in Chillicothe. And then I heard of a full-time position in Fayetteville, North Carolina. So uh, my... uh, my wife and I, we'd just been married for just a few weeks. We uh, loaded the truck and a van and moved down to uh, Fayetteville. And I worked uh, at a station in the news department and uh, had the opportunity to do some sports features, but uh, didn't do any sports broadcasting until while I was there for about a year and a half. Uh, the guy who was a salesperson was calling games for uh, the Terry Sanford Bulldogs uh, in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And uh, he let me work with him on a few games before I left and came back to Dayton. And then just to summarize quickly, Came back to Dayton, uh, worked at WAVI, WDAO in the news department, got out of the radio business again, and then went back to North Carolina to the same station in some different capacities, lived there until 1987. And then eventually I made my way back to Dayton and uh, worked at a few stations, uh, primarily Mix 1077, where I was for 15 years uh, before I came over to WHIO. Now, for us, 
as far as broadcasting right state uh, i started broadcasting games back in 1997 and i uh, just completed my 23rd year would that was that been the first year of ed Schilling, or is that jim brown taking over for uh, ralph underhill that was the first year for ed Schilling, and it's interesting because uh, a year or two before about a year before that uh Time Warner Cable uh, here in uh, Dayton was, uh, you know, doing some of the games. And I had an opportunity to uh, uh, be the color announcer, uh, the analyst, along with Tom Michaels on some of the women's right state games. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was one game where he was unable to attend. So I was able to do the play by play. And uh, the individual who was set up to be the analyst for me did not show up. And then what happened was in halftime, I ran into former right state athletic director, uh, Mike Cusack. And he talked with me, and it's the first time I've ever met him, and he decided he came over and he was uh, the analyst with me. Well, uh, a few weeks, you know, about a month or so went on, and then they made the changes. They hired Ed Schilling. I got a call from the athletic office. I'd worked with Bob Noss, the former SID, and he asked if I was interested, you know, in uh, doing the radio. So I provided uh, a tape of a game. And, you know, Lee, if I have any recommendations for anybody, always keep your work. Because I didn't have a whole lot, okay, at the time, you know, to be able to provide to them. So what I had was I had an old reel-to-reel that I dubbed off into a cassette to give them of that game that I called that regional championship game at Bowling Green between uh, Upper Scioto Valley and Kaleida. So they listened to that. They talked to me. They had a little idea of my background, and uh, they chose me to uh, uh, be the radio voice of uh, Wright State Radio. And to this day, I'm very thankful not only to Dr. Cusack and Bob Doss, but also uh, Bob Grant for allowing me to do that. Like you mentioned, you've been there for quite a long time, and there's been lots of ups and downs and definitely a lot of ups <laughs> lately for Wright State basketball. Take me through the first full year of being the radio play-by-play man for WSU. You know, Lee, I, I, I thought about that a few times, and I was so excited, you know, when I got this opportunity because I thought, you know, it's something, one of my goals to be able to achieve something like this and to get that opportunity. I, it was just like, you know, a kid looking in a candy store. And I, I think I overprepared that first year for every game. I spent so much time because, you know, I really cared about getting better. You know, and I look back on it, and I think I should have appreciated a lot more because I kept – I'm just somebody who continues to want to just do better, you know, and uh, and get feedback from people. But I think I just need more. I th- as the years went on, I learned to appreciate things a lot more. But, you know, it's interesting you say that because the first game that Wright State played was a road game at uh, Central Michigan. And, uh, I, you know, I got it's the first time I was able to get on a bus, you know, Division One college team, you know, to be able to be with them. I traveled with the team. And we went up all the way, to, you know, a long bus ride up to central Michigan. And it, it seems like forever to get to Mount Pleasant, Michigan. So I had that experience, you know, and then, you know, get ready for the game. And, and then, you know, what was great was the fact the team won. You know, they were able to win a road game. And, uh, you know, Keon Brooks was a part of that team, Thad Burton. And uh, the team, I thought, played extremely well. We drove, we drove back after the game. We ran into a little bit of a snowstorm throughout Michigan and then northern Ohio. You know, but nobody cared. You know, the, the music was blaring. The guys were having a great time. And it's something I had never really experienced before. And I thought, hey, it's supposed to be this way all the time. But, you know, as the season progressed and the next few years progressed, uh, it, it, it just didn't work out that way. You know, uh, uh, the team had really struggled, you know, at times. And uh, there was a lot of struggles, a lot of downs. You know, there have been a lot of ups over the 23 years. And, you know, I'd like to remember 
you know, all of the good times and, you know, forget the bad, but you can't because I think that's part of what makes you you and uh, the experience in which you had. And it makes me appreciate, you know, the things that have gone well so much because of those times when things didn't go that well. From 1997 until the end of the, what turned out to be the end of the regular season in 2020, what's changed at Wright State from, <laughs> from the coaches, the players, anything that you can acknowledge? What's changed since then? Well, Lee, I know you're a big sports fan, you know, and you've been around it a lot, you know, and, uh, and what you're experiencing now is nothing like it was, you know, when I started. I mean, let's face it, you know, the, uh, money has really changed the landscape of uh, NCAA, you know, Division One sports, you know, especially uh, the recruiting wars, you know, television, you know, how much impact that it has had on these teams, coaches, you know, they talk right now, you hear that term coaching carousel, you know, for the last five or 10 years where, you know, coaches basically are looking for that best job and moving on. You know, you look for loyalty, you know, from players and you, and also from the coaches, but you just don't see that, you know, like you did before. And when I started, you could start seeing that was just the beginning you know, some of the changes you would see in NCAA sports. And, you know, there are a lot of changes. There'll continue to be a lot of changes, you know, but I'm just very appreciative for the opportunity to do it, you know. And when you think about it, with this coronavirus situation right now, I think we're all in a situation where we just don't know what's going to happen next. I mean, they're talking about college football, you know, maybe playing in the spring. You know, are we going to have, you know, football in the fall? Are we going to have basketball later on this year? You know, when are we going to be able to gather together as a group, sit next to each other? You know, it's changed the what we – it changed our lives. You know, and, and I think we're realizing right now sports is great. You know, there's no question about it because it emphasizes teamwork. You know, it, it emphasizes, you know, uh, discipline, you know, self-discipline, you know, working as a team. You know, but it gets to the point where, you know, what's more important in life, you know, than, you know, treating others well and being respectful to others. You know, so it's going to be very interesting where we head here down the future in terms of sports, both professionally and also at the amateur level. One thing I have to say that I've witnessed a change is the Internet and how we Yep. absorb sports i mean radio's been there for us but now you can get games on espn plus with a subscription espn3 if you got a cable subscription what's your take on that <laughs> i think it's great you know i think it's absolutely fantastic uh you know it gives an opportunity for the student athletes you know for their families you know you look at it that way their families and their friends i mean for instance you take a uh, uh like tanner holden uh who was a freshman here at wright state this past year you know, uh, he comes from a small town, Wheelersburg, uh, you know, coincidentally, the same town as Drew Burleson, a former Wright State Raider. You know, that's not a very large area, but uh, there was an opportunity uh, for his school to come up and visit him. And not, not just his school, but, uh, you know, his friends and the family and uh, community members in Wheelersburg to come to a game this past year. And there was a large turnout, you know, and I was able to talk to a few of them and they said, hey, they love to watch the games on ESPN Plus and get a chance to see, you know, uh, somebody who's 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 really done something for himself and coming from that small community. And it gets back again, Lee, to what we talked about earlier about, you know, you go back to 1979, 80, when I was up in Kenton for my first job, how a community just rallies around, you know, their team and and uh, their sports heroes in their town. And I think that's been something that's been great uh, for college basketball specifically is the fact that. That these kids get to be on, you know, ESPN Plus and uh, all the different networks, and they have an opportunity. As far as radio, also, you know, they get to follow the teams at times. If a, if a game is blacked out in a certain area, you know, they get an opportunity to listen to their uh, the guys that they know, the guys that they look up to. So I think it's been a great thing. You're right. I'm glad you brought that up because 
You know, even when I started, there was television and there was some cable, but, you know, nothing. They don't have the outlets uh, back then, nothing like they do now. I mean, back then, you know, WHIO always had the Dayton Flyer games on Mm -hmm. TV, and I think at that time, WDTN had Wright State games and Omar Williams was still there. But nowadays, you know, that's all local TV, and if you're in the area, great. If not, but now you don't have to be locked in the Dayton area to catch Wright State games. You can be all around the world and still there's right state in your palm yeah you're absolutely right and i think that is that's greatly because you, the local tv stations now it's difficult for them uh to be able to uh, uh carry um, local games and one of those reasons is the fact that uh they are tied in with their networks uh, for instance you mentioned uh, whio tv channel 7 with cbs wdtn is with nbc uh, I think 22 is with ABC and Fox 45. Well, they are pretty much bound to their networks to carry their prime time shows. All right. Because uh, these networks, uh, you know, they go out and they sell these shows and they say we're on so many stations around the country. So they have a lot of leverage. So it's very difficult for some of these local stations to be able to break away and, you know, spend the money, especially it's very, you know, it costs a lot of money to be able to broadcast a basketball game on television uh, to be able to carry some of these games. So I think it's great uh, that uh, through the technology now that we've learned to be able to, like, for instance, at Wright State and most almost all, all the schools in the Horizon League, uh, they produce uh, their own uh, uh, video uh, streaming of all of their games at home, which then go out, you know, over the uh, communication lines to ESPN Plus, where they were able to put, put them out over their network, like you say, a subscription, or just on ESPN3, which is absolutely th- uh, free, you know, for the free download of ESPN. So, you know, I think it's great, you know, that we've got to that point because uh, these guys work hard and they deserve the exposure. Now, you call Wright State basketball. That's a well-known fact around here. But you also broadcast some Wright State baseball games. Unfortunately, the 2020 season, we only have yeah. one home game. But tell me a little bit about your experience calling Raider baseball. Well, uh, Bob Noss, uh, again, I brought it back, uh, who has been you know, really great with me. He just retired within the last year as sports information director and associate athletic director at Wright State. You know, uh, he said, hey, we, we, we do some games, and that's when they run cable. And then also now it's uh, morphed over into ESPN Plus uh, a few games throughout the year. Would you be interested? And, of course, as I told you earlier, you know, baseball is a, a real love of mine. So having that opportunity, I was very thankful for it. And uh, it's been great. I mean, you look at the history uh, with Wright State baseball. You know, you go back and tell what Ron Nishwitz has done. Of course, uh, the stadium is named after Ron. He put a lot into that and uh, helped push the program to up, you know, to get it the right start. You know, Ron has just been terrific. I mean, we all know about his past and, you know, uh, what he's been able to do with Wright State baseball. But, you know, then he passed the torch to Rob Cooper. And then Greg Lovelady, who came in with Coach Cooper. And you can just see where this program continues to rise. And, you know, uh, when I had an opportunity, you, you know, you asked me earlier about, um, at least before we started this podcast, you know, uh, some of the players and the coaches and staff that you really look up to. And he wasn't here very long, but as a player, uh, you got to know and you got to see what type of a leader uh, that Jeff Mercer would be. And when he transferred here to Wright State from UD, you know, I got a chance to know him as we were doing the games, and you could just tell that this guy was he was something special. All right, maybe not moving on to Major League Baseball, but because because of his leadership skills and his knowledge of the game and the way that he was a leader among, you know, players. 
you know, his teammates and how they looked up to him. So it's no surprise to me that, you know, he moved on to Indiana. You know, that's his, you know, that's his home, that's home state. When he got that opportunity, you know, I think everybody wished him well and he'll continue to do well at Indiana. And of course, uh, Alex Sogard, who is now the head coach at Wright State. So they've had a great line of coaches here. Uh, the culture is just terrific. I mean, these are guys that they go out, they develop players, and they get them to believe that, you know, they can win at the highest level. And it's just great to be a part of that and to see that, you know. And you look at every yearly, uh, they have the opportunity, they have the, uh, uh, the first pitch banquet that was started by Coach Rob Cooper, of course, who's now at Penn State. Greg Lovelady's down at Central Florida right now as it continued on through Coach Mercer and now Coach Sogard. You know, to see the reaction of the alumni who come back and how much pride that they have the program that they've been a part of, you know, over the years that started back in the 70s, that even started with a guy who does the games with me. I failed to mention, you know, Bob Brody. You know, he was an All-American in basketball and baseball at Wright State. You know, and just to see the pride that all of these guys have, you know, of the program and where it has gotten to to this point, you know, that's absolutely fantastic and a testament to them and all of those involved. Well, you kind of um, you kind of took my next question. Um, <laughs> Sorry about no, that. Lee. No, it's it's okay. It's fine. Um, basketball, baseball. Who have been some more of your favorite staff members, coaches, players you got to interact with over the years? Because there there's a lot of people since 1997. Oh, Lee, man, you put me on the spot. You're right. <laughs> there have, there have been a whole lot, you know. And I I can't I can honestly say I don't think there has been anybody you know, who has, has been like, I'm glad he's gone. That's never, ever happened. You know, the student athletes uh, and the coaches to some extent, you know, they have aspirations and, you know, they have moved on. You know, you're not buddy-buddy or anything like that. But everybody has been, you know, so gracious with me. Anytime I ask them for an interview, uh, they are there. You know, they're able to do that. And I think a lot of it has to do, you know, with the staff leadership. You know, here lately, you know, with Bob Grant, you know, he's been terrific. You know, I think it's been written. Uh, Tom Archdeacon did a story on him and how he talks about family, you know, and the type of coaches, you know, that he's able to hire and have in here at Wright State. You know, I think that says a lot. So, you know, just being a part of that and having the opportunity to, to be around a lot of great people, you know, I really cherish that, you know, and a lot of the student athletes, you know, some of the names, that, you know, stick out to me. Like I said, I don't want to leave anybody out because you know, I can be talking to you for the next hour and a half, you know, yeah, and maybe I would I would miss somebody because, you know, I mean, I look at some of the basketball players that have been here. First, when I got here with Keon Brooks, like I mentioned, you know, Thad Burton, you know, guys that didn't play that much. Guys like Steve Yeagle, Ryan Gross, you know, uh, Brandon Park was a freshman before he, he transferred out to Bowling Green, you know, and through the years, you know, guys, uh, you know, uh, that, you know, have just, like I said, have, have, have been great, you know, to be around. You know, I mean, I think of guys like the Vest family, you know, with, uh, with Matt and Allen, you know, getting to know their family. Of course, uh, Mark, who was, a, who was a, a tremendous player at Wright State over the years, and, you know, his wife, Laura, and, all, and the entire Vest family have been terrific. Uh, they're all about Wright State. You know, it's been great to be around them for so many years. And, you know, I just go through all of these guys, uh, Bernard Hollins, uh, you know, like I mentioned, Keon Brooks, uh, Deshaun Wood, uh, you know, Drew Burleson. Uh, you just keep me going, and uh, I can tell you about every single one of them and how great they've been up, you know, through this year's team also. You know, a guy like Loud and Love. You know, here we've had an opportunity with Coach Nagy, uh, who uh, is, is great about allowing his student-athletes to come on to his coaches' shows during the season, where we get an opportunity, myself and Jim Brown, uh, to talk to these student athletes and get to know them a little bit better and gives them an opportunity uh, to get behind a microphone, you know, and see what it's like, 
you know, and uh, every single one of them have just been fantastic. And, you know, I've appreciated the opportunity to be able to talk with them. You know, Lee, I'm just leaving all these guys out of my head. I'm just thinking about every single one of them. You know, I don't want to forget about the coaches either. You know, with Ed Schilling, I was very gracious with me. Paul Biancardi, who to this day, you know, I still communicate with. And, of course, Brad Brownell, terrific. Last year, let me tell you about Brad Brownell. When Wright State was uh, able to go to the NIT and play Clemson, uh, just before the game, you know how the coaches go across and shake each other's hands, you know, before they start the game. Mm-hmm. He, he made the effort to jog across the floor at Little John Coliseum at Clemson and come over and shake my hand as well as Jim Brown before the game, you know, and spend just a few moments with us. I thought that was a very classy act by Brad Brownell and how much respect he had you know, for the Wright State program. Terrific. Billy Donlin, outstanding to this day. I can still call him a friend. And Wright State is very blessed to have a guy like Scott Nagy, you know, leading this program into the future. Drew Burleson, you mentioned a couple of times. He's now a doctor around here, right? <laughs> That's what I understand. Yeah. Uh, Drew, uh, <laughs> you know, Drew, Drew was a pre-med um, biology major, I believe it was, when he was here at Wright State. And then he moved on to uh, med school. I believe he went to... Uh, uh, I can't, I'd have to talk with him again about that, but I know he was at Loyola, uh, at the Loyola Medical School, uh, uh, and he does his residency up there. Mm-hmm. And now he's involved with uh, Doc Krimchak uh, with the Cincinnati Reds with, the, with his Beacon Orthopedic. And, you know, I think everybody uh, who knows Wright State basketball, been around Wright State, is so proud to see, you know, you know where Drew and all the hard work that he has had, you know, to put in over the years. And to be where he is right now, I think it's a great testament to uh, to Drew and what he's able to accomplish. That's one of my favorite stories I've seen about Wright State alums. Like, hey, I remember covering him when I was in, <laughs> when I was in college. That's great. <laughs> yeah, you got to remember, Drew was actually recruited by uh, Ed Schilling. And right. uh, when uh, Ed moved on and Paul Biancardi came in, basically, uh, you know, he came in and uh, uh, Drew was here and uh, he played mostly for Paul. And uh, his final year, obviously, was a Brad Brownell's first year here at Wright State. And that's when they won that uh, championship and beat in that memorable game at Wright State, you know, uh, against the Butler Bulldogs back in uh, in uh, March of uh, 2007. And uh, Drew was an instrumental part of that team throughout the year. They got up to a slow start, Lee. You know, you have a new coach and you have these players who had been here for a little while and had to adjust, you know, to a different coach. And uh, to see what they did at the end of the season, it was a great run uh, through the end of January all the way up, uh, you know, all the way through uh, the championship game here at the Nutter Center. And before they uh, won, beat Butler and then moved on to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 1993. That was a great team, too. That was a lot of fun to cover. I mean, Bracket Busters, I think that was the year that Cal yep. State Fullerton came in. They were really good at the time. Um, speaking of Drew Burleson, also Deshaun Wood. He was uh, recruited by Schilling, too, wasn't he? Uh, he was actually recruited uh, by um, Paul Biancardi, okay. uh, along with Brian, Brian Donaher. Uh, they were both uh, working on uh, Deshaun. An interesting story behind him, I don't think a lot of people know, is that he, uh, he nearly committed to Cleveland State. Uh, Cleveland State was really close on getting Deshaun Wood, uh, but I don't know the whole particulars about it, but uh, through the hard work of uh, Brian Donaher, as well as one of the assistants of Paul Biancardi, they were able to get the commitment from Deshaun, and he came to Wright State and became the second all-time leading scorer here behind Bill Edwards. Bill Edwards is so far the only former Wright State Raider player to have his uh, number retired for men's basketball. 
Yeah. Uh, of course, he was be- he was a few years before I started to do games, but uh, uh, I can remember, uh, you know, following uh, the program, you know, at the time and the job which I had. And, you know, what a tremendous player he was. And I've met him a few occasions. Of course, uh, Jim Brown, who calls the games, would be the legendary coach at Wright State for so many years and, you know, beloved by everybody in the Wright State community. And he just tells me about the great ability that Bill Edwards had. And, you know, you see those numbers, you know, Lee. I mean, if you look at the numbers that he put up, not only scoring, but also rebounding, you know. And uh, and like Coach Brown told me, he says, what a competitor also. You know, Bill Edwards, uh, to this day, obviously, when you think of Wright State basketball, he's the best ever. Before I touch up on the next question, I mean, Jim Brown, Bob Grody, uh, two names you mentioned as color commentators, they're excellent representatives of Wright State University as a whole. I mean, the knowledge they have of Wright State, you know, growing up from the ground up and still being part of the community, that's that's awesome. And Lee, the key word right there is, like you said, the phrase is ground from the ground up because basically, I mean, Jim Brown was here from the inception. You know, the program, he talks about the stories when they first started out at Stebbins High School, I you know, able stories. to play games and, you know, before, you know, it, just when the program started. You know, when Bob Grody came here as a tremendous athlete out of uh, Cincinnati and Elder High School, uh, you know, he, he was recruited by big schools who basically wanted him to play just one sport. But Bob, being the competitor he is, and people who are listening to me know what a competitor Bob Grody is and everything, uh, he wanted to play both. So uh, Wright State gave him that opportunity to play both baseball and basketball. And as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, he was an All-American, you know, in both. And to this day, he has a lot of pride with the Wright State program. And he doesn't hold back what he feels either. He'll tell you what's on mm-hmm. his mind as well as, you know, Coach Brown. And I think that's, uh, I think that's what uh, endears them uh, to Wright State, uh, Wright State fans, you know, all across the country. I love those stories, too. I mean, starting off at Stebbins High School, and now you have the Nutter Center, which can seat well close to the 10,000s. It's, yeah. it's amazing. So- it is. And it, it is a testament to uh, Ralph Underhill. Uh, for so many years and, you know, building the program, you know, along with Jim, you know, and I, I have an opportunity and I've said this to so many people, you know, uh, it's not just when we're on the air, but, you know, Jim's able to share a lot of stories with me and you're right. It's just amazing. And I just love to soak it in like a sponge, you know, to hear all the things that, you know, they went through the things that they had to do, you know, to help get this program up to, you know, where it is now. And I just, you know, you just don't want people to forget those things. And Lee, I'm glad you said that. You know, I mean, you're not that far out of college and, you know, uh, a a younger group, you know, uh, 20s, 30s, you know, even people in their 40s now. You don't want them to forget, you know, how this program got to be where it is now, because, you know, it wasn't easy, you know, to to be able to accomplish the things that they did. Remember, Division two, they were a national champion, you know, and, 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 and Jim wears his ring, you know, often, you know, that championship season. And to see when we're on the road. Uh, the number of people that come up, the former athletes, and, and how you know how glad they are to see him. Uh, just a few years ago, we were up in Cleveland, and we had a day off in Cleveland between Youngstown State and Cleveland. And Jim asked if we go to the Cleveland Cavaliers game, and that's when Vitaly Potapenko, the former Wright State player, was an assistant coach, you know, on the bench with the Cavs. And we went to the game, and we waited afterwards, and uh, he was able to come out. And you should have seen the look on Vitaly's face because he hadn't seen Jim in a few years. I mean, you can just see how much respect that he had and how happy he was, you know, to see his former coach. And, you know, this is coming from a guy who's been in the NBA. I mean, he's been around and, you know, he doesn't have time. He doesn't have he doesn't want to see you. He doesn't have to see you. But 
just to see how much he was excited to see Jim. You know, and, and, and I think I can describe that, too, for a lot of the other former players, you know, who come and see him and, because uh, he, he had an opportunity to be a part of their life, you know, and those guys come back later on that, and they appreciate what they, he was able to do for them. And, you know, I get so much out of that, you know, uh, you know, Lee, to be able to see how much, uh, you know, Jim Brown has meant to those guys, you know, over the years. So you never want to forget the history. Absolutely not. And I wish that the student population of Wright State would realize how deep of a history it is, even though it's only 50-some years old. Yeah, you're right. It's a baby when you compare it to others. I mean, it's still rather in its infancy, but, you know, it has been, you know, you know 50 years. And uh, and like I said, you, did, you know, for me, maybe it's because, you know, I have access to that, you know, to be able to hear Jim, you know, talk about, you know, those early days and, you know, uh, talk about the the ones who orchestrated and getting the athletic program together at Wright State. You know, and through the years, when, as you said earlier, all the ups, you know, and the downs, I think somebody who's been around it so long, you know, to be able to appreciate it, you know, and uh, Lee, I don't think Jim will have a problem for me mentioning this, but, you know, a few years ago when Wright State up at the uh, uh, Motor City Madness won the championship uh, over Cleveland State uh, to go on to the NCAA tournament uh, just a couple of years ago, um, once that game ended, you know, and Trey Stacy had the ball in his hands and threw it up and up into the air toward the Raptors, you know, and Wright State had won. You know, I turned over and I looked at him, and I tell you, he was tearing up, you know, and I could, do, and I had to ask him at the time, and we were on the air. I said, you know, uh, you know, what would Ralph think right now? You know, what would all the former players think right now because of the accomplishment, you know, of this team this year? And I tell you, he he was very emotional, you know, and and I think that was great you know, because of all the hard work, you know, that he had put in along with all of these other people. And it'd be a part of that, you know, and the current staff and how they reach out to him, you know, and they appreciate what he has done and, you know, how much it's meant to them over the years. You know, that to me is what team sports and what sports is all about. You know, how much, you know, people respect uh, all of those who work so hard to get them to be where they are. Let's talk about this 2019-2020 season the Wright State just had Horizon League regular season champs yes a tough loss in the semifinals but great year great year for Wright State yeah, yeah I think so and Coach Nagy said it many times throughout the season he says you know uh, you know you're picked to win you know is it tough you know to be able to you know to you know, to be the ones who are able to get through the tournament and win it all he goes that's where you want to be you know you want to have that opportunity with a target on your back because that means you know you're good you know, and unfortunately, it didn't work out the way they wanted to, you know, at the end of the season. Uh, there were a lot of expectations with his team. But, you know, as I said, you know, he said he wants the program to be in that position, you know, and uh, unfortunately, they didn't get there. You feel bad for the seniors because they were the ones who really wanted to get to that NCAA tournament, you know, one more time, you know. But as it ended up, uh, nobody got an opportunity for that because of the coronavirus outbreak and the stay at home and all of those things associated with that. We didn't have a tournament this year, you know, but as far as the season's concerned, <laughs> it was quite the roller coaster ride at times. The team won a lot of close, a lot of, a lot of close games, uh, you know, came up short in a few games. And of course uh, that last game against UIC definitely, I don't think, uh, you know, was a true story, you know, of this team throughout the season and what they were able to accomplish. But, you know, as you look ahead and hopefully, you know, uh, we can get back to some sort of normalcy the way life was, you know, before this uh, coronavirus and, look forward to next season uh, because the Raiders are, will be back and uh, they'll have the Horizon League, 
you know, player of the year who was richly deserved loud and love and a pretty good uh, supporting cast around him. And looking forward to seeing uh, uh, Tim Finke come make his way in. He sat out this year as a transfer from uh, uh, Grand, uh, uh, Grand Canyon and, uh, you know, and all the other returning players that we have with Tanner Holden, uh, he'll be a lot better. And, you know, all the guys, you know, looking forward to seeing, you know, what, what they can accomplish next year, because I'll be honest with you, Lee, uh, I think UIC has made themselves a lot better now with their coaching change. Uh, I, I think uh, from what I've read about the new coach, uh, he's already bringing in some good players. So, you know, which I think is good. I think this league needs to get better. You know, it get, needs to get better all around because I think it'll be helpful. Hopefully someday they can be a more than a one bit conference. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned UIC because I thought Steve McLean did a nice job. But, I mean, hey, I, I'm not the one to hire coaches or anything, so it's just me looking <laughs> from the outside. But with these new hires, and actually one of the assistant coaches from UIC follows me on Twitter, and it's like, hmm, that's interesting. But I think UIC has always been kind of like, they can be really, really good, but they've just never been able to get over the hump. No, and uh, you know, and, and they're in the shadows of uh... – you know, a big city, you know, and the fact that uh, the Horizon League, you know, I think at the time when, you know, Butler, Loyola, and uh, even Valparaiso to some point had been in the league, you know, I think uh, there was opportunities to have a two-bid league at times, especially when the Butler Bulldogs were here. So now the the league, when at least you look at the numbers and they don't lie, it's not where it used to be. I can remember when, like I said, when Butler was in uh, in the league, you know, they were ninth and 10th rated RPI, you know, in the country. You know, but now they've you know dropped down to what thirteen to sixteen you know conference in the country. You know, and that makes it you know really difficult. A lot of that has to do with scheduling, and you know we won't really get into that. You know, that's well beyond you know my pay grade. You know, and it's difficult to schedule, and that's the tough one of the toughest things for coaches to do. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, I think that uh, uh, UIC uh, will improve themselves. Uh, you know, you look at Oakland right now. You you asked me earlier about. Um, what has changed a lot, you know, since you started doing games? Well, how about the transfer portal, you know, and how and how players are uh, now opportunity if they want to, they just leave because they look for better opportunity, which you know is their prerogative and they can do that. But it sure makes it tough for a coach to be able to build a program. It's hard to when all your Jenga pieces are just moving around trying to get in the right fit. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's something that now just really occurred to me the transport portals just outrageously you know shuffled it's like it's almost as busy as a coaching carousel in some ways <laughs> you know it has it, you know it really has and you like you said it's hard to keep all the pieces you know in place and uh great campy's had a uh, tough time with that you know at oakland you know, you do what you can. You recruit these kids. Here's the thing. You know, Coach Brown and I talked about this, and he makes such a great point about you spend so much time, you know, uh, recruiting a kid, you know, getting them to come in, come to visit, come into the program, you know, develop, become a better player. You know, then all of a sudden, year two goes by, and for some reason, be it homesick or uh, maybe they think they have a better opportunity at, at another school, they just decide to, you know, put themselves on that transfer portal uh, list and head out the door. You know, for what reason? You don't know. Uh, you know, you have no idea. And I think originally, I think a lot of people think, well, you know, they didn't like the coach. No, no, that's not the case at all. I think there are a lot of situations where guys just, you know, are looking for another opportunity. And Lee, let's face it, you know, if you're just a college student going to school and studying whatever you want to do in your life's work, uh, let's say you're going to one school and you say, well, wait a minute, that, that school may be offering me a better program. It might help me in the long run. They can do it. You know, they don't have to sit out a year. They can just go ahead and transfer over. 
you know, so you look at it in that realm. Well, you know, they've got every right to be able to do that. So that's just another stressor for coaches these days to be able to keep guys who want to be here. And, you know, I think that's one thing with coach Nagy. He, you know, you can see how loyal, at least to this point, how these guys are to him because he's straight up. I mean, you hear that word transparent. I mean, he'll tell you exactly what he expects from you, and he, he will back that up, you know, so you know where you stand. You know, and if I were a player in that situation, I would like somebody like that. I like a boss like that who's going to tell me, you know, and, and tell me the truth, you know, and tell me what my expectations are and uh, I'm going to be held accountable because it's going to make you a better player and it's going to make you a better person. So, you know, you know Coach Nagy, I think uh, – I'm sure it's it's tough on him. You know, if somebody wants to go somewhere else because you spend so much time doing it. But like he says, you know, you, you want to be here or you don't want to be here. You know, and you can see right now with this group at this point, you know, I have not heard of anybody wanting to move on at this point. But, you know, you never know. The last couple of years, a couple of guys decided to go on. But you know what? There's other guys who are willing to come in and get that opportunity. Uh, so I think that's another reason why I think Wright State's in good hands right now because, you know, they have a leader who has – um, assistant coaches with him, continuity here, uh, that I think players respect that and they want to be here with them. If you look at Scott Nagy's last stop, uh, what was it, South Dakota or South Dakota State? South Dakota State. Okay. Yep, the Jackrabbits. There's, there's, uh, there's too many South Dakotas, you know, the two that I mentioned. <laughs> no, but he was there for 21 years. Yeah, so that's right. De- definitely loyalty aspect there. <laughs> absolutely you're you're right uh, that's unusual you just don't see a lot of that and a lot of uh, for a lot of the uh maybe uh folks who have been around the wild league there was a manager for the los angeles dodgers who signed one-year contracts for you know 20 plus years or whatever walt alston mm-hmm. you know who uh is from dartown ohio which is over there by miami university you know uh, one year at a time you know and he was loyal to the dodger program you know before tommy lasorda came in you know so there are guys uh, that are still like that you know, some people are comfortable, but, you know, in today's game, like you say, there's so many, uh, you know, it's it's difficult to find someone like that now because you got to be able to make the money when you can because the expectations from alumni and all the fans, you know, that's just one stressor, not in addition to trying to have 18 to 22-year-olds control, you know, your life's work. That makes it very difficult. So there's a lot of time between now and the start of – the basketball season, if the mm-hmm. coronavirus doesn't wipe that out. Let's <laughs> hope not. <sighs> but 2020-2021, what are your expectations for this Wright State squad and the Horizon I think in right, general? Lee, I think they're right up there. I mean, I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see if they're going to be picked again because, you know, they have uh, such a force and uh, loud in love. I mean, everything goes through him. And he'll be a fifth-year senior. Uh, You hear coaches talk a lot about, you know, guys who are here five years. I mean, that's great, you know, uh, to have somebody who's with all that experience and all that talent. And then uh, the guys that, you know, go around him, you know, I expect, you know, Tanner Holden, you know, to be a lot better. In fact, I expect everybody who's coming back to be better because uh, you look at the history of Coach Nagy and his staff, you know, that's just the way things have gone. You know, they develop guys, they get better. uh, Their competitiveness is there. That's why they bring them in. But uh, like I said, you know, I hope to see, you know, competition. I think Youngstown State will be, you know, even better last year. They showed some consistency this year, you know, within the league and outside the league in their non-conference schedule. Um, so I would, you know, there's a new team coming in in uh, IP Fort Wayne. Uh, they had a little success, you know, in the Summit League. Uh, UIC, Green Bay is always going to be competitive along. Milwaukee, I think, is uh, 
hopefully going to get a little bit better. So I just hope all the other schools get better too, because that's going to do nothing but uh, make Wright State look even better. So I expect them to be there right at the top with an opportunity to win. And Fort Wayne, once upon a time, they had, what was it, the youngest head coach in Dane Fife? Dane Fife, yeah, 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 the Mastodons. <laughs> uh, the last time, if I remember correctly, now Wright State played them a few times. And I think maybe, I'd have to go back and look, uh, maybe at home. But the one game that stands out to me was uh, the final year that Ed Schilling was the head coach. Uh, Wright State played them in a non-league game mm-hmm. uh, during uh, the Horizon League schedule. They went to uh, to Butler and lost at Butler on a Thursday night and then traveled over to uh, Fort Wayne to play a Sunday or a Saturday game at noon. So there wasn't a whole lot of time. The team stayed in Indianapolis that Thursday night after the game. They lost to Butler and uh, drove up on Friday, you know, and you know spent the day there and then had to get up early on Saturday and play. And they got beat. I mean, uh, Fort Wayne came out and just, uh, you know, laid the – you know, laid it to them. And that was a very crushing uh, defeat for Wright State. There were a lot of alumni up there. The game was also on the, on, on the cable uh, uh, TV back into Dayton. And they just got blown off the floor. And uh, they came back home, uh, won a couple home games, and uh, played the first round of the tournament at Detroit, got beat. And then a few days later, that's when Ed Schilling uh, uh, was asked to leave. And then they hired Paul Biancardi a few months later. Well, at least the Indy to Fort Wayne trip wasn't terribly long. I, I, I will, <laughs> it just seemed like it. <laughs> I, I will say, though, the one thing I really like about Purdue-Fort Wayne coming into the Horizon League, Yeah. Gr- granted, it might not be the biggest um, – it's not RPI anymore, it's net. But um, yeah. that's still a weird change. But they have baseball, and, you know, Horizon oh. League will once again have seven teams that field the sport unless, you know – there's a team that drops between now and then, but seven teams in baseball, that's, you know. Yeah, uh, you're right, because if you have less than six, as you well know, Lee, that's not good, because then you don't get an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. And... No, and the Horizon League's had six baseball teams for quite some time now, and, I mean, seven's going to be weird, because you can't really have, you know, home-and-home series with all the, at least when Cleveland State was in, but. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry, that's not the point, but it'll be no, nice. I know. It'll be nice to have a close foe in Fort Wayne, and you know it won't be as close as Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati. But hey, it, it's it is a nice addition. I look, I look at logistically, it's right in the middle of all the schools. I mean, it's right there. Uh, I'll be honest with you. When uh, the Horizon League was uh, looking for bids, uh, one of the bids came from Fort Wayne uh, for the uh, men's and women's basketball tournament. After they was decided, they would not go back to Detroit. And uh, you look at logistically, it's and it's right there in the middle, you know, pretty much of all the schools, uh, location-wise. So it'll be you're right. It'll be interesting to see how they, uh, it's in, even in basketball, uh, how they're able to uh, make the schedule, uh, because you have an odd number of teams now, and uh, you would have 11 teams, uh, both women's and men's basketball. So you're playing, you know, 10 other teams twice. So from what I understand, it'll be a 20-game league schedule you know, next year, which means, what, two less games in the, um, in, uh, you know, a non-conference season, which I, th- that's debatable. You know, Lee, a lot of, some coaches say, yeah, they're okay with it, and some don't like it. Uh, you know, next year also, uh, the Summit League and Horizon League Challenge, or whatever they're calling it, yeah. uh, where you'll play a game against the team from the Summit League. You know, so there's, you know, there's already another game, you know, taken up uh, between, the two, uh, between the two leagues. 
I mean, that's pretty cool, but the travel on that for some of the Horizon League teams that have to go west, I mean, your closest foe is Bacom, Illinois, and I, yeah. th- I think Southern Utah is still in the summit. I don't know if they are. I'm uh, not sure. Uh, there have been some changes you know, over the years. Of course, Fort Wayne is leaving the Summit League. But uh, if you look at matchups, you, know, you would think right now because of uh, uh, the relationship that uh, Coach Nagy had with South Dakota State, who was in the, who perennially every year now is you know, right up there at the top of the league, uh, you know, would, it, would they match up South Dakota State and Wright State? And also um, coming to the league next year in the Summit League is Kansas City. Uh, where former Wright State head coach Billy Donlin is the head coach now. So uh, they'll, they'll be leaving uh, the Western Athletic Conference, I believe is where they're in now, uh, moving back to the summit. That'd be a pretty interesting matchup, too, because Coach Donlin, you know, his biggest bread and butter calling was defense, and you could clearly see it on the court. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So it'll be interesting to see what they do, you know, as far as scheduling is concerned next year you know, and how it's going to affect the non-league schedule because that's really important in terms of what you talked about now. They use the net uh, to be able to rank these teams, you know, come tournament time. This is a question out of left field, but if you had the power to add a 12th team in the Horizon League to make it even, who are you inviting and why? <laughs> oh, man, you're right. That is out of left field. That's out of, that's out of the bleachers, Lee. I, I, <laughs> hey, I mean, I thought of it. It's like – you, no, no, I like it's good. Raiders, so. I mean, that's good. I mean, there's so much involved, you know, in teams being able to lead leagues and, you know, what their needs are, which sports they have, travel, you know, how schedule is going to be concerned. But, you know, if you just had to ask me, you know, right off the top, you know, because I, I like the way the league is set up, you know, with the larger, mostly for the larger metropolitan areas and travel partners, you know, I, I think that's great. Um, I would, I would, I'd tell you, I, I know it's a little out of the way, but, you know, I really like Murray State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think they're very good every year in basketball. They would be they would be awesome, you know, to be able to get into this league. You know, I, I believe that. And, uh, you know, you, you look around the OVC, I mean, the, the Ohio Valley Conference has some pretty good teams. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some of them aren't, you know, that far away. And I, I definitely would think of looking at something like that or even, you know, a team like Robert Morris, you know, out of Pittsburgh. You know who's had some success, you know, for a while. You know they fit that criteria. You know of a team in a large metropolitan area, you know, and they could, you know, they're they're in proximity. They're close to Youngstown as well as Cleveland State. So, you know, there's a couple of the schools I think that would fit. You know, but uh, you just don't know what's going to happen. It's musical chairs at times. We talk about coaching carousel, the player transfer portal, and the conference shuffle too. That's big in there. And I always thought, you know, Horizon League's always, you know been a conference i like just because they have these teams in big big cities like green bay milwaukee chicago dayton indianapolis now detroit i mean you got some big cities in there i don't know how many folks know about that yeah they don't and that's something that the league continues to pride themselves on and uh you look even when butler left uh before iupui came into the league just a few years ago uh the leagues uh, decided to stay and keep their offices in indianapolis you know, which, let's face it, you know, that's where the NCAA offices are also. Uh, it's a great town. Okay, uh, I was born there. So, you know, I have a lot of good things to say about Indianapolis. But, uh, you know, yeah, the big cities is something that uh, they promote, you know, an opportunity. But then again, you can get lost in the shuffle, you know, at times. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, for years, Butler uh, was in the shadows of Indiana University, Purdue, you know, a lot of the other schools in uh, Notre Dame and the state of Indiana. But until Gordon Hayward and Shelvin Mack and company showed up, 
and along with Brad Stevens, and they went to back-to-back Final Fours, you know, that got them some national notoriety, and they took advantage of it, moved to the Atlantic 10 for one year, and then moved on to the Big East, where, you know, uh, they're able to pull in, you know, big TV money from Fox, you know, to really help their program overall. So, you know, it's about being at the right place at the right time and uh, having the individuals who, you know, are there on your team to get you to a point to where, you know, you use that opportunity to, to move on. And, yeah, I like going to these big schools because, let's face it, I mean, to not these big schools, but to these uh, big cities, you know, Lee, I mean, you've been to a few of them around. You've gone to some of the road games for Wright State. You know, you could end up going, like, in some conferences to these schools way out. I mean, we've done that in non-league games. You know, they're, they're nowhere near any. Like I said earlier, the first game I went to in Mount Pleasant, you know, up in Michigan. You know, you think you get to Detroit, you're close. Yeah, you're really not. You know, you got to go towards Lansing, then head up north again up to the – you know, the central part of the state, it's a long way, and it's out in the, kind of like the middle of nowhere. So, you know, we're very fortunate to have these teams in larger market areas, and, you know, uh, you don't feel like, you know, you're out in a cornfield somewhere. But it's Mount Pleasant. I mean, that's a great name for us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and a tremendous, you know, and a tremendous history, too. Uh, they've had an outstanding, you know, baseball programs, football. You know, they, they have had some great, great teams, you know, over the years in the Mid-American Conference. I mean, believe me, you know, it's out there a long way to get there, but uh, they have been a great, uh, you know, uh, NCAA school over the years. And in fact, Lee, uh, somebody I'm sure you looked up to, too, as far as broadcasters, uh, you know who started there and went there? Dick Enberg, you know, as a Central yeah. Michigan guy. That's so. right. I forgot about that. But, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. So outside Wright State and outside WHIO, and you touched on this in the beginning about your beginning in broadcasting. What else have you done in your career? <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh I'm, am i ashamed to mention this or not no i'm not you have to do what you got to do okay yeah. like like i said you know when i uh we got married you know we had next to nothing you know uh uh my wife had a little girl who was nine months old at the time and uh we knew each other three months and we got married and i adopted her you know a few years later you know we had a little boy also and they're all grown up now <laughs> all right they're adults and i have grandkids now but uh life goes by fast but you know, sometimes I had to drop out because I wasn't making a whole lot. And I questioned if I was ever going to, you know, move on and have an opportunity to do what I wanted to do. Because let's face it, uh, that's why I'm so appreciative right now that I have been given that opportunity. Because uh, a lot of people don't get that. You know, they really don't. And uh, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. But I, I got out for a while and I worked at McDonald's. I was a manager uh, for McDonald's uh, for a few years. Uh, I also got out and worked for a company called super subbies uh, for a little while before i got back into radio for good back in the early 1990s uh so i've been very fortunate uh, to have been employed uh doing things that i really enjoy doing uh since the early 1990s but i uh, worked at fast food uh was a manager you know uh did what i had to do some odd jobs in fact lee uh my old high school baseball coach back in the uh, late 90s asked me to be an assistant with him at sinclair community college so in, in addition, <laughs> you know, to working, you know, at the time I just started, you know, full time with uh, Mix 1077. And just a few years before I started doing Wright State basketball, you know, he asked me to uh, be an assistant baseball coach with him. And, you know, I cherish that. I, I really love that. I didn't get paid a whole lot. Not, not at all. Uh, so it was for the love of the game and just an opportunity to make a few bucks here and there, but it wasn't much. So I gave up my weekends uh, to be with these guys, you know, in the spring and in the fall. Uh, but it's something that I'm glad I did because, you know, it really makes me appreciate, you know, the opportunities that have been afforded to me over the years. But 
like I said, I love baseball. I couldn't turn down that opportunity. And Coach Harrison, uh, God rest his soul, uh, passed away uh, about five, uh, I don't know, like 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, I, I really appreciated him, you know, thinking of me and giving me that opportunity. And before I continue on, I, I know uh-huh. you definitely deserve it because I, I love listening to you call Wright State games. And, you know, when you're on WHO, WHIO, rather, um, it's like, hey, I know that guy. He calls Wright State <laughs> games. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Lee. Thank you. That means a lot. Now, also, you mentioned um, as someone that helped you out and who's passed away. There's also someone I want to bring up on this uh, episode, Matt Zerker. He passed uh-huh. away um last week two yeah. weeks ago now but definitely mm-hmm. definitely a guy that you know got things done at Wright State and Northwestern Ohio when he got that job and at the Dragons too he was an official score so it was a lot of fun um, being in the same room with him talking ball so Lee I'm glad you brought that up uh, and Matt's somebody who doesn't like to be talked about as you well know you worked with him for a long time and you know when I when I learned of his passing you know I was shocked like everybody was but uh, Matt's the kind of guy who he's a perfectionist, love, love sports. You know, you ask him any question, trivia, you ask him any question about stats. I mean, he instantly had an answer for you. And if he didn't, he looked it up and he got it quickly and he was able to help you out. That's all he wanted to do. You know, from my standpoint, you know, calling games or whatever. If you had a question, you ask Matt, he was able to deliver and he never wanted to take credit for anything. He never did. He didn't want to make a big issue about himself either. But, uh, you know, to have that opportunity to, to work with someone like that, he was so selfless, you know, and uh, uh, he, he just all he cared about was, uh, you know, helping out others, you know, and it's just so tragic, you know, we know what happened to him and he was taken from us. But, you know, he'll always, you know, the memories, you know, you never know what impact he's had, you know, on some of the people whose lives that he's touched, you know, while he was here on this earth. He was a great dude. I mean, he helped me out a lot when I worked at Wright State in the Dragons. And I can I can remember a time we had a rain delay at Fifth Third Field. So what's he do? He pulls on Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood, and we just watched <laughs> that for most of the time. He was a great dude. There was one um, last soccer game of the year at Wright State. He brings yeah. up uh, this hot hot tray of meatballs and everything. He feeds everyone in the press box. It's like, that dude's awesome. And well, he just cares about, you know, he cared about people. He did. And, you know, he was a fire. He was fiery at times, you know, because, you know, he wanted to get things right. You know, I think it's interesting what you said about he brought, you know, the, was it Mr. Robinson's neighborhood or whatever that was? It, yeah. He had, you wouldn't know if you didn't know him, the kind of sense of humor that he had. You know, it'd be totally different than what you'd expect because he's all professional and does this. But he had that kind of little sneaky, you know, little devilish part of him at times, which, you know, I thought was awesome. You know, it would just crack us up, you know, uh, to be able to, you know, keep us going. And you're right. I'm glad you shared that because uh, that was the side of Matt I think that a lot of people didn't see. I, I, I'll i be honest, this coronavirus quarantine has been tough with no sports. Yeah. Yeah. But seeing Matt, pass away that um yeah, yeah that was tough that was really tough yeah especially the since uh you know the family has put off uh, you know a memorial service uh because of uh the you know they're suggesting you not have you know group events uh, which includes funerals weddings you know that's that is tough no, you're exactly right lee you know i mean i've talked to a lot of people and it's like you know we just wish you know that matt had that uh you know, final goodbye, you know, like, like others. And, uh, unfortunately it didn't turn out that way. And, you know, but hopefully we'll be looking in the future when, uh, 
uh, his family maybe is able to uh, put something together to be able to uh, have everybody get together to be able to remember Matt and all the good things that he was able to do and the people's lives he touched over the years. Absolutely. Chris, how has the coronavirus affected your jobs at Wright State and HIO? <laughs> well, <laughs> at Wright State, you know, we, we actually went to the uh, tournament uh, in Indianapolis, and uh, that's when uh, you started to hear more about it in the news. Uh, there was no bans. Uh, people, I think, when I was, it was funny, we were over there, this first time we were at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, where they held the tournament this year, and uh, there were uh, quite a few uh, uh hand sanitizers that were uh, put out for everybody who came to the game. Uh, but nobody really, I think, made an issue out of it. And there were some signs that told people, hey, make sure you clean your hands, keep your distance. You know, it was a voluntary thing. However, you know, uh, the day we got back, uh, we had learned that uh, one or possibly, I think it was just one of the officials who worked the Wright State UIC game, uh, apparently uh, was being tested for the coronavirus the COVID-19. Well, uh, I, I, I had saw that on Twitter and uh, I was made aware of that. And uh, apparently, you know, we were, Jim and I were not very close. I think the closest we were was 20 feet you know, from where we were broadcasting from. So uh, I don't think they were very concerned about having him tell us about it, you know, but um, we found out and we're all fine, you know, and uh, apparently he did test positive for it. We found out later in the week uh, I did, you know, through media, and uh, he was fine. He was recovering. Uh, and, uh, you know, still, you're, you're, you think in the back of your mind because of such of the unknown that goes along with this, uh, with this virus, you know, wow, what if I had caught it? You know, I mean, you know, what do I do? You know, that type of thing. Everybody's that way right now. You know, but fortunately for us, we didn't. The team didn't have any issue with it. Uh, it's my understanding afterwards that they were, you know, they announced a few weeks after that that, you know, they were asked to have a self-quarantine. They did. Nobody got sick. Everybody was fine. You know, but, you know, you come that close to it and you start thinking about, you know, wow, you know, this this could have been us. This could have happened to us, you know, but now, you know, you can't get together as a team. I mean, not for me. I mean, it would have been at the end of the season anyway. It affected us because, you know, Wright State had already gotten the automatic bid to the NIT. So that meant, you know, no NIT, no NIT game. So the season abruptly ended, you know. So uh, now you got baseball. I was looking forward to having a game that weekend, you know, the, uh, you know, a few days after, you know, basketball season ended uh, to work with Bob Grody and do some baseball games. And that ended. Uh, they postponed those. And then, you know, another week or two went by and they decided, OK, we're just going to have to postpone the season, you know, and uh, that's it's tough, you know. Yeah, it's tough for us personally, you know, to not be able to call the games, but it's even tougher on the student athletes and the athletic departments. Uh, I mean, Lee, right now, I mean, I haven't talked to anybody at Wright State, but look what happened today at the University of Cincinnati uh, because of um, budget cuts. You know, I don't know if you saw that, but they are totally eliminating their men's soccer team. And, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of other schools and see what they how they handle this. And that's that's heartbreaking, too, although. A week or so ago, Hilton Days, who is a Wright State great yep. in soccer, both men's and women's as coach, um, he, he he left. And then, bam, today, men's soccer gets canned at UC. And I wasn't going to talk about it because I wasn't sure how big of a soccer fan you were. But, man, that stings, especially since how soccer-heavy Cincinnati is. Yeah, uh, with that professional team and they're building a new stadium. Yeah, I was shocked to hear that today. I mean, you're right. You know, I, mean, I don't follow soccer as much as you do, but, you know, I, I have an idea what's going on down there. And you look at the crowds that they were able to attract, 
you know, for FC Cincinnati. And then to see, you know, a program, a university like Cincinnati in a big league, uh, the American Conference, you know, decide to just totally head call it. I mean, I, I, that was an eye opener. Yeah, and that that stings too, because Wright State and Cincinnati they had uh, home yep. and home series for quite some time. It was always cool to announce Hilton Days as the head coach at UC, because <laughs> like, hey, I know you, you uh, you played here, you coached here, and you're you're a great of Wright State. And now, <laughs> just seeing that happen, that's that's crushing, and especially for the student athletes. I mean. Luckily, yeah. if they stay at UC, they'll still get their scholarship, or if they want to transfer right. out, they have, there's right. no weight there. But at the same time, it's still, yeah. it still hurts. Yeah, I mean, that school's been, it's been around a long time, you know, and uh, it's been interesting to see why, you know, they were put on the chopping block, you know, compared to other things. Of course, you have Title IX, you know, that you have to deal with. But, you know, as a side note, though, Lee, I'm glad you mentioned Hilton Days, because when he was at Wright State, uh, when, he, when he left, uh, he actually uh, sent me a personal note. You know, had done an interview with him, and we had talked a few times, and it was very, very nice and encouraging, you know, what he left with me. And it just showed you, you know, what a class guy he was, you know. I mean, again, you asked me about all the staff and student athletes, you know, been around basketball and been around baseball, but, you know, had an opportunity to be with a lot of all the other coaches. And, you know, he is just a class act, you know, and it's, you know, I don't know where he's ended up right now. Maybe you can tell me, you know, after he left Cincinnati what he's going to be doing. But, I mean, he is just one of the best. I haven't witnessed anything. There's a little part of me uh, that'd like to have him come back to Wright State as assistant coach because Jake Slumker's done a very nice job with the oh, men's yeah, soccer he program. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I don't know. And while we're on soccer, uh, mm-hmm. Greg Andrulis, he was uh, yeah. coach of Wright State and one of the first coaches for the Columbus crew. When uh-huh. I saw he left George Mason, that made me sad because I, I announced mm-hmm. at UD, too, for men's soccer. And George Mason, right. I think, was scheduled to come in 2020 mm-hmm. to Bojan. And I saw yeah. that. It's like, oh, that made me sad, too. It's like, I, I'm not going <laughs> to see Andrulis. Now it's just yeah. this, you know, this coach I don't really know about. So Name of the game now. You just don't know. You know, you, you just coaches move on. And uh, for whatever reason, it's, you know, it's unfortunate. And, yeah, sorry to hear that, Lee. I know you were looking forward to that. That's all right. I mean, you know, <laughs> stuff happens, but it was always right. cool because, hey, yeah. you coached over at Wright State, and you were one of the first uh, coaching staffs <laughs> with the crew. I mean, that was huge. I mean, he left Wright yeah. State to take that job in Columbus, so that was – I always liked that part. So so does FC Cincinnati have a coach? I know they went through a lot of changes here, even during the offseason. <laughs> they're, um, they're still looking. I, I forget mm-hmm. who – they're looking at it's a former manchester united uh defender oh, okay but uh yeah, yeah their uh, coach that they were banking on from uh the netherlands he mm-hmm. got he got uh well actually i think he you know i think he walked away from fc cincinnati because of the racial slur he said but yeah. yeah they're still looking and i saw something the other day on that it's like hmm, that's right fc cincinnati doesn't have a <laughs> a full-time head coach yet so you know they're in the they're in the with the, the major league soccer league or whatever they call that in the mls and uh, let me ask you this question because i mean you know more about this than i do you know what plans are they making if any because of this coronavirus and not able to meet in crowds because you know it won't be long before their season starts you know, I was looking at the other day. MOS is pushing it back past mid-May now, so they're still wow. wanting to play. But, I mean, if you ever go to an MOS game, I mean, you see the supporter groups of the crew and FC Cincinnati. It's marvelous. It's it's just so amazing to me what FC Cincinnati has accomplished in their short time 
in yeah. Cincinnati, Ohio, USA. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I saw those crowds and sellouts at uh, in Cincinnati at UC at Nippert Stadium, and what they'll play. They're scheduled to play there this year, and then they move into their new stadium the following season. Yep, and they actually oh. shared a social media post about the process on the West End Stadium, and I think that's going to be a beautiful field. I mean. Grant, the politics behind all that, you know, removing some of the churches, is Stargill yeah. Stadium, the stadium they tore down, going to be up. And apparently it wasn't for last uh, – well, it wasn't to begin last year's uh, high school football season, but they mm-hmm. eventually got the new one open. But, well, but, good. Yeah, well, good for them. Yeah. So I, I like – I did not expect to talk soccer. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Lee, uh, you're a sports guy, man. You're doing I, it all right now. I love sports. I mean <laughs> – I know you do. Is soccer a sport you want to broadcast at Wright State? Because you do I, basketball, I, you do baseball, I, but is there any sport you really want to do that you don't get to do? Well, you know, I, I'm like you, love a lot of sports, and it was a learning experience for me because uh, Wright State in the past, like I said, when I first started uh, you know, doing the ba- uh, base, uh, basketball and baseball, uh, we also did a few sorted games of men's, women's soccer, volleyball so i had an opportunity to do those for a few years and i'll be honest with you you know i didn't do a lot of that and it gave me a little bit of experience and some insight you know into those sports and you know i really enjoyed it when i had that opportunity lee i mean it's it's a lot of fun i could tell you oh, a fun yeah. if if you got a minute i can tell you a fun story i think okay. it was last season Wright uh-huh. state's hosting duquesne and i have yeah. the call on espn plus i think it might have been uh-huh. okay and um i interviewed joylin brown uh, during the yeah. second half, and Wright State scores three goals, and that's like I didn't see what happened. I'm glad I'm in this interview. Um, and then after the interview is over, Duquesne scores a couple goals to close yeah. out the contest. It's like, why couldn't they score when I was talking to Joylin? And you know, Wright State <laughs> score when you know I'm focused on the field. But I, I love that story. It's a really good interview that um, Joylin oh, and I she, had. She is. Yeah, you talk about green and gold in your blood. Uh, yeah, Joy Lynn uh, Brown, uh, she is uh, uh, she's a leader uh, within the athletic department. And uh, she, along with Bob Grant and Jeff Giles, uh, you know, pretty much working on a shoestring budget <laughs> to be able to uh, accomplish the championships uh, through the coaches and the student athletes and what they've been able to accomplish. But, you know, it's a true testament, you know, to their leadership. And uh, I think uh, Wright State's glad. I mean, they're very, very lucky to have her. I mean, she was a volleyball player, then the head coach of volleyball, coach, yeah. and now she's yeah. helping oversee the entire athletic department. It's yep. it's really cool. It's really yep. neat to think about. Yep. Yeah, Joy Lynn's terrific. Speaking of Wright State sports and all sports locally, what's some of your favorite things about the sports scene in Dayton, Ohio? <laughs> well, you know, I, I grew up, and, uh, of course, you know, you follow uh, the sports guys. You mentioned them earlier, uh, Omar Williams. Because, like I said, we, we in my neighborhood, we played every sport, whatever season it was. So we would try to stay up to date on what was going on. And you had some great uh, TV sportscasters like Omar Williams, Tom Hamlin, you know, on WHIO for so many years, um, you know, to be able to bring you, you know, what is it in sports? Ohio State, you know, University of Dayton basketball, you know, grew up with that. You know, I had a brush with uh, greatness when I was just a youngster, uh, Lee, back when, Oh, Don May was playing at right at, uh, at Dayton, and uh, he uh, went to the Kroger store in Huber Heights. It wasn't Huber Heights yet. It was Wayne Township, yeah. and it was up there on Chambersburg Road, and he was there for an appearance. Uh, I believe it was for Pepsi. I'm not quite sure, but, you know, I was able to, you know, kind of like go up there in a crowd of people while he was there, you know, and shake his hand. 
you know, and I was maybe I was in grade school, you know, at the time I was maybe, you know, nine years old, you know, and our parents took us up there because, you know, one of the University of Dayton players was up there. And I'll never forget that. I mean, it was a big deal, you know, and, uh, I, I, you know, and, you know, we could go talk about it and we'd play every sport and, you know, and uh, really get behind the local teams, you know, like, you know, UD at the time and Ohio State football and, of course, Cincinnati Reds. And at the time, we had a lot of people that in football season were Cleveland Browns fans. Mm-hmm. But uh, for some reason, the Browns were on TV all the time. And I don't know if I was just being obstinate or not. I didn't really care for them. <laughs> all right. So, so what did I do? I became a front runner. Uh, when I started following, when I was like eight or nine years old, they you know, had the first Super Bowl. You know, and I, I became a Green Bay Packers fan uh, because, you know, they won Super Bowl one and two, you know, over Kansas City and then Oakland. So I pretty much stuck with them over the years, and I've been a Packer fan because of that. I think uh, Wright State got their colors and name because of the Oakland Raiders and Green Bay Packers. I almost said Phoenix there. Whoa. <laughs> um, but I read that somewhere. I don't know how true it is, but I always loved that note as well. I, 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 think, I'm, I think you're right because I've heard the same thing. You know, the guy to go to, I think, would be uh, one of the great fans at Wright State, and that's Terry Bogan. You know, uh, you know, Terry is going to school at the time, and I believe he had told me that at one time. And I need to get back with Terry and ask him if, in fact, uh, that were true. Uh, but I I'm, I'm think you're right on there, Lee. I think you're right. For those interested in becoming a broadcaster, whether it be play-by-play, in the newsroom, in the field in general, you mentioned a couple of words in the beginning. But for those trying to get in the field, struggling to get in the field, what advice can you give people? You know, you hear it all the time. You know, uh, even in the entertainment business, you know, league, you do what you have to do. You know, uh, sometimes you have to leave your ego at the door. You know, and if you see an opportunity, even it be a producer, a you know, board operator, or whatever, uh, because there aren't as many jobs. I'll be honest with you in in this business because of technology uh, uh, is one reason uh, 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 out there. Uh, there aren't that many opportunities. So once you see that you have an opportunity to do something, even at an entry-level position, you know, if you really want to do it, you do it. And you go for it. You try to learn. And when you get there, continue to get better and better. Ask questions. Uh, try to uh, work yourself into a different position. If not at that company, try to gain as much knowledge and experience that you can, maybe to move on if somebody else has another position. Because these companies now don't have a whole lot of time to train you. Uh, because, uh, like I said, there aren't that many jobs. And if another company sees they can hire somebody uh, who has some experience, you know, uh, they're going to take them, you know, and and not only just from the technical standpoint uh, for what you know, but also your attitude. You know, attitude, I think, is key. You know, you have to hold yourself accountable. Again, leave your ego at the door. Be willing to learn uh, and try to make the best of yourself and get that opportunity. And when you get it, make sure you grab it and you run with it. Swinging back to Dayton, Ohio for a little bit, what would you like to see in the sports scene or in the media in Dayton happen in the future? I, you know, don't know because there's so many uncertainties right now. (laughs) Uh, You know, and as far as uh, broadcast is concerned, you mean Dayton for years, you know, has been a tremendous sports town. 
you know, and there have been a lot of you know, loyalty. I mean, you look at the number of fans at you know, the University of Dayton, and I know a lot of people who uh, have followed that team for so many years, and you know, I have the utmost respect, you know, and it's unfortunate that they weren't able to finish out a tremendous season this year. You know, and then my relationship with Wright State and the great program that they have, you know, that uh, Coach Brown has been a part of so many years and to be able to learn, you know, all the things that went into getting them to where they are right now. You know, to me, that just, you know, it's just a lot of pride there, you know, in the sports here, not just basketball, but the number of professional athletes that who have moved on, you know, in, you know, Major League Baseball, professional football, you know, like a Keith Byers here locally, you know, and a lot of these names, you know, I don't want to forget anybody, but they've moved on and they play professional sports. You know, Dayton's, uh, you know, it's been a hotbed, you know, for uh, some, uh, some terrific athletes who have moved on and made a name for themselves. And Mike Schmidt comes to mind, you know, he was from here, Dayton, went to Ohio University, Steve Yeager. You know, some of the older names, you know, back when I was uh, before uh, I was in high school, even, you know, I knew about these guys because local sports would cover them. But, you know, it's just unfortunate now that you see high school sports where I think I'm generalizing right now, Lee, uh, but I'll get off my soapbox, I guess. But, uh, you know, some parents, you know, they have the expectation that, uh, you know, their kid is going to get a scholarship. You know, don't you know, my, my experience would be don't ever think that because that puts a lot of pressure, you know, on your kids, you know, I mean, sports should be fun, you know, and the opportunity to be a part of a team, you know, and learn uh, those abilities of, you know, being accountable, you know, for being uh, somebody who works hard and who is able to be, you know, given that opportunity because of your hard work, you know, that's what they should learn. It's a learning experience rather than, you know, they got to do all this and spend all this money to be able to, you know, make sure they have a college scholarship, you know, I, I, that's just what, that's what, I don't know. If I had to tell somebody how I thought that's what, that's what they should do. You know, and I think for the most part, I believe most people think that way, but there are some that, you know, think that that's the only way. And really all you're doing is you're setting yourself up, you know, for rejection. Then what do you do? You know, what is your plan B? You know, do you, you've worked all that way. Then all of a sudden it's over, you know, and some people aren't able to handle that. So, you know, I, I just think, you know, sports in general should be, you know, learning about uh, different aspects of your life, being a part of a team, you know, winning and losing as a team, you know, what you've learned, what you can do to make yourself better, you know, than, you know, being in the lights all the time and, you know, uh, being there for a, uh, you know, with a hat, you know, which school you're going to go to or what pro team you're going to go to, you know, I'm not really into that thing, you know, because, you know, I'm glad for these kids who have that opportunity, but it's such a small percentage, you know, that's what I would like to see, you know, from a local sports standpoint. And also, you know, I'd like to see more local coverage, you know, uh, of these kids and what they're able to accomplish, you know, not only on the field, you know, but uh, what's going on in their life and what they think, you know, uh, to be able to participate in a state event. I mean, think about that. Think about the kids who are juniors. I mean, all of it, especially the seniors this year in high school, not being able to participate, you know, in the in the winter sports championships here in Ohio. And, and it looks like it'll probably be that way in the spring sports, too. You know, and then for kids who uh, are juniors and sophomores, you know, I mean, that's a whole year gone from an opportunity to be part of a team. You know, those are the things that, wow, it's really a tough, it's a gut punch, you know, Lee, you know, to be able to see these high school athletes, you know, who are looking forward to their seasons, not being able to participate because of this. But, you know, there are things bigger in life that control us, you know, and that's something that they're learning. And, you know, you hope that they have and you hope able people are able to battle through this and we get those opportunities back here soon. I hope so too. I mean, I mean personally, I know I I work in a lot of sports and I want to see them back. But yep. the athletes and you know the communities that's that's where it's hitting hardest on there. 
And going back to what you want to see, I mean, it's like the advice you gave, leave your ego at the door type of thing. Yep. And I, yeah, you have to. It's tough. And I really like that piece of advice as well. So, Chris, how can people follow you and your work on social media? Well, let's see. Um, I'm on Facebook, you know, uh, at uh, Chris Collins uh, and also uh, on Twitter at uh, Chris Collins 381. Uh, people probably wonder, you know, Chris Collins is a uh, that's a uh, you know pretty common name. So I had to find something with a number after it. Uh, that's that's the month in the year that I got married. So that's okay. uh, those are numbers I'll never forget. Okay, hey, I like <laughs> so, that. Yeah, three eighty one. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the Twitter handle, and uh, also uh, on Facebook. Okay. Uh, do you have any final words before we wrap up episode one forty two? No, Lee, I just want to thank you for this opportunity. It's just like we had a little phone call together. You know, be able to catch up. I know we see each other at a lot of the games and have an opportunity to say hello, but I really appreciate you giving me the time and be able to share a few things with you. And uh, thank you very much. And continued success to you and best of luck. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for sharing your time with me and and being part of my podcast because that's, that's my main goal of this podcast to, you know, make sure people know how great Cincinnati and Dayton sports really are. And you're definitely part of the fabric of it because you're voice of a D1 school in town. So, Yeah, it's something I'm uh, very, very thankful for, Lee. And uh, thank you very much. I really appreciate the time. Thanks, sir. That's Chris Collins, the play-by-play voice of the Wright State University Raiders and also part of Miami Valley's morning news team on WHIO. And that concludes episode 142 of the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you again for episode 143. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. To subscribe to the podcast, please visit the leewmowen.com slash podcast. From there, you can choose your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. Interact with the podcast and host on Twitter at the Lee W. Mowen and at Sunday Pod. Like the Facebook page, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and download the free Flick Chat app. Then search for the local Sunday Sports Group to submit your future Mowans mailbag questions. The closing theme is Lights Go Down by Dan Hennig, provided by the YouTube Music Library Collection. This is Lee W. Mowan, and I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Please join me again next week on the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast.